Ladies and gentlemen, Crystal Clear Industries, in association with Rhinestone Radio Podcasts, is proud to present Old Hollywood Realness. Brought to you in vibrant podcastoscope for your listening pleasure. Join your hosts Kathleen Null and Philip Estrada as they recap Hollywood's dazzling darlings one film at a time. And now, please sit back, relax, and enjoy the program. Good morning, Kathleen. Good morning. And good morning, listeners. Yeah. Welcome back to Old Hollywood Realness. Welcome back. This is the podcast where we celebrate all the glitz and glamour of Tinseltown's golden era. That's Um, right. We are fully caffeinated. (laughs) (laughs) I was running around the house earlier today. Well, like earlier today, like literally 15 seconds ago. And I'm just like, wow, the coffee is cranking. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. Um, So, Kathleen, how have you been? Oh, I've been pretty good. Just yeah. uh, uh, working a lot, yeah. <laughs> trying to like balance my um, working a lot with getting my Halloween costume finished, which I'm super stoked about. That's gonna be all this weekend. Spooky and um, spooky, baby. Yeah, it's gonna be a balmy eighty-four today because my home state's on fire. <laughs> but uh, not to humble brag, but because I know it's colder in some places, but. <laughs> Uh, hopefully, uh, just gonna enjoy that. <laughs> Look on the bright side, I guess. Sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but just uh, just hanging out here and uh, enjoying enjoying life here. How about you? Um, well, I'm going out tonight for the uh, for I'm going to a gay bar tonight that has a okay. co- that has a costume contest. So I'm doing a dry of run of the old does. costume. So <laughs> really, no, oh my just, god, well, oh yeah, it's that's gonna, a great idea though. Yeah, like dress rehearsal. <laughs> it's gonna be fun. I'm super stoked. I have no um, I have no expectations to win because you never know with costume contests. They usually go to random things. So, but I'm gonna I know right. I'm gonna do my oh. best. I'm gonna lobby and um, you know point out the fact that I've made every single thing that I'm wearing um you know but it's going to be really yeah. fun I'm super excited plus I'm super excited to come down to Los Angeles for Halloween as well so yeah. that's going to be even crazier fun so that'll be the so that'll be the main good. event so very stoked about well, that well fingers crossed you don't uh win out to the guy who came with like the jack in the box head yeah, <laughs> you know because I know that happens <laughs> yeah it happens it always happens but you know it's all good. It's all good. It's about the process. It's not about the, it's not about right. the glory. It's about um, the journey. Exactly. Um, so <laughs> the, the, this episode, let's talk mm-hmm. about this episode. So um, normally we would be doing an ooky spooky dookie episode. But um, we have um, we actually wanted to talk about the fact that we um, went down to Los Angeles and we had the opportunity to speak to a very special person um, and um, we recently lost him. So we got to go down to Los Angeles. And we got mm-hmm. to interview Mr. Scotty Bowers. And I want to give a huge thanks to Mr. Mark Wellams and Mark Schulery for putting this uh, together. They, um, Mark Schulery put, yes. um, put us in contact with Mark Wellams, who is a very good friend of Scotty's and actually hosted the 
uh, interview at his house. A um, little yes. context for this episode is Scotty was 96 years old. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, he was getting along in years. And so Mark actually jumped in on the interview. You'll notice like in a little bit into the interview, he, he introduces himself. He was very helpful in actually um, helping Scotty remember things, prompt stories, um, draw, you know, draw things out of him. Because I think when, you know, that as Scotty got older, he, you know, as older people do he just kind of um got a little nervous got a little retrieved mm-hmm. to retreated himself and it was completely understandable um it was amazing to speak to it, him it, like it, it was it was amazing and no joke though I was intimidated <laughs> I, I was just <laughs> I couldn't I don't know how you felt <laughs> I, I was I it was it was a surreal time I I didn't really I didn't really fully grasp how special it was until I got there and we were in Mark's house and sitting down and um, I was really kind of in awe of just, no. I wasn't the, like when we left, I was like, we're not the same people. Like we just walked out. Like we are, we are changed people after interviewing yes. this person. Um, Scotty Bowers is amazing. Yes. Like he was definitely just his, um, just even being his energy and being in his presence was, I mean, that sounds very cliche, but I mean it like he was just a really great person with like the most amazing kind sparkly eyes I know I think I've ever seen and like you kind of see in the documentary but that was for real even at yeah. like 96 he had these like sparkly eyes it was it was blew my mind <clears throat> and uh he was so kind and uh and I remember I was wearing a purple dress and he like right away when I first, like he first saw us, he was like, oh, I've had, you know, he's like complimenting me on my dress. And I was like, oh, well, thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> oh, <a laughs> he was very charming up charmer, top. So, a charmer. You know? um, yeah, he was. He <laughs> it was, was wonderful. <laughs> super. He was super nice and super sweet. And honestly, I just was like, and he's so unassuming too. Like he wasn't really even. So unassuming. Like he just wasn't even phased by the fact. So we were, we were intimidated and asking questions about his life. And he was just like, yeah, mm-hmm. you know it was his his he just didn't see I, I don't know I felt like he was just like yeah it was say la vie that's what it was you know it wasn't yeah he just was unimpressed by his entire his his life you know and he, yeah. that's the way I got so that's why it um that's why it seemed almost intimidating because you're just like oh my gosh it was just so interesting and it's also no joke it was a little strange talking and it felt weird to talk to a man who's 96 years old who looks like a just like any old grandfather and to talk to yeah. him about about sex it's like oh th- it's I something that, that you probably, re- I really took for granted yeah. <laughs> I, I think that that was probably the most shocking thing was I, that was probably to hear somebody that age say those words I mm-hmm. think that was a first for me um and it was but... also a first for me to ask questions <laughs> oh, regarding yeah, it. I was just like how do I right. say these yeah. words in front of a man yeah. who looks could be anybody's grandfather it was just so like it was yeah it was a dichotomy that I wasn't expecting <laughs> and I think well and for me I kept thinking too is also like this is somebody who's also like he served in World War II like this is somebody who's seen he's like seen a whole other part of history and served our country and did that. Like that's like next, like aside from all of that, like he also is somebody who was just like what they come from, what they call like America's greatest generation. Right. right you know yeah. I mean? It's someone who grew up in the depression who's already had seen a lot before he even came to Hollywood. Yeah. Um, so it was just, it's like he, he lived like three lives. He really. did. He really you did. Know? Um, um, 
Oh, really amazing. Yeah. Really. He was, uh, and just like, yeah, he definitely came across even then as really kind. And I also, everyone who was around him, like surrounding yeah. him and who was at the home with him and just kind of like watching us interview him were so nice. And I could, I just thought like, what man, like what a lucky guy to be surrounded with all these people who really care about him too, yeah. you know? Um, the, another thing that I'd like to just sort of touch on too is the, the documentary. So Scotty, mm -hmm. the, um, the documentary is called Scotty and the secret history of Hollywood. It's based yes. on his book, which is called, um, full service, full service, yep. full service, <laughs> colon, my adventures in Hollywood and the secret <laughs> sex lives of the stars, because everything has to have a colon nowadays. Of course. Um, <laughs> <laughs> could make a butt joke right about now, but I'll just let that go. <laughs> so the, It'd be on brand. the documentary came out in 2017 and um, is directed by Matt um, Tiernauer. I hope I'm mm -hmm. pronouncing that correctly. And um, Matt Tiernauer actually is um, pretty good document documentarian too. He did um, Valentino, the last emperor as well. Yes. So he has a pretty, <laughs> Great style. pretty long, um, mm -hmm. pretty long filmography. This, yeah. The quality and style of the documentary is really good. Yes. The documentary is actually really, really interesting. I, mm -hmm. um, You had brought it to my attention, um, and I thought it was <laughs> very interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm actually very interested in reading the book, too. Because Me, I too. Because I had listened to a podcast episode from the gals over at Hollywood Crime Scene, mm -hmm. which is a great podcast if you haven't listened to it. Um, yes. It's just two chicks talking about Hollywood scandals. and um, Love it. Both contemporary and historical, so mm -hmm. they kind of run the gamut, which is nice. But they did a full episode about the book books um and they from my from my understanding of their, their recap of the book it is way more um let's just say graphic than the <laughs> documentary <laughs> oh so um we didn't necessarily get into that too much when we talked to him but it was interesting no. what, what was your experience with the documentary kathleen well i i thought it was really uh, a great um, documentary as far as like uh, not just like the Hollywood history part and the salacious part but also just this person who had been through or seen so much like yeah. so much of Los Angeles and um, also um, just uh, at that time when they filmed it he had a, I want to say about three houses in the Hollywood Hills area mm -hmm. so you see him going back and forth to these different houses as well as a storage area. And um, you can tell that like he, uh, he was a hoarder. Um, and um, he also had a wife who he had met, um, I believe in like the early eighties and they yeah. had been together for uh, gosh, like 35 years at the time when they filmed it, she had passed away. She's passed away about a year and a half ago. So right. like, um, I realized that when we were interviewing him, I didn't ask, but I kind of had a feeling. Mm -hmm. um, um, but it's, I, I thought the documentary was really touching as far as it being this older couple, like living together and, you know, uh, yeah. just kind of, they showed like sort of the warts and all life of, of this, uh, you know, older man. And, um, and I thought it was really great. And just that, you know, they talked about how, he was sort of he was like in a common law marriage for several years and he had a daughter and then she passed away tragically. Um, so there's just a lot to it that um, I think is really great. Definitely right. worth checking out. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I'm yeah. sure you can find the documentary on YouTube. It's also on Amazon for like a cool dollar ninety nine rental. So mm -hmm. um, yeah, uh, but it's really great. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think that was kind of, like I had. 
I, I'd seen something about it because I'm always like, I don't know. I'm always looking for old Hollywood news, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just trying to keep my finger on the pulse of today's old Hollywood news. Exactly. And uh, <laughs> that kind of came up. <laughs> and so I knew that the, I knew the book had come out and the documentary had, was coming out. So I, I kind of was looking forward to it. And then, yeah, when I found it, of course, wanted to immediately notify you because <laughs> This was right up our alley. And I also exactly. thought it was really, really interesting, too, because even how the documentary started out, you know, um, he, he was kind of this legend. Like people knew he was around. They, were, they weren't sure if he really existed. Was it really true? Yeah, and, he's like a And he's 100 percent true. Yeah, yeah, it was fantastic. And like you said, he's just this unassuming nice older man you would never you know wouldn't wouldn't think a thing you know I know you just wouldn't you wouldn't expect <laughs> somebody's looking grandpa at him, so yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> just some random random older dude just walking around yeah living his life and you're just like um okay <laughs> yeah and when I thought you... it was really interesting how they interviewed these other guys that were his age that all went way back together that like he said he, he tricked them out I guess you could say but but even they said like I mean they were singing his praises too about just being a really good guy never taking any money from him mm-hmm. in fact if anything owing him a lot to why they still had their houses and were able to make a living so i thought that was just uh really really cool he seemed like just he was a genuinely good guy yeah well um so but what about you i mean how did you feel when you watched oh i it thought it was great i mean i loved the the, the documentary is so interesting and i just think mm-hmm. it's a wonderful character study too on like a For person real. and like it, like you said he did he lived three three lies he had like mm-hmm. three different stories in his life and they they all could have been like documentaries on their own and it's just inter- it was just interesting to see that and you know just I, I think what's re- really in what's kind of an interesting piece of it is that he just was unaffected by all of it you know the Hollywood yeah. piece of it and all yeah. of that it mean it was not really that important to him as far as like he was all about sort of just like making people happy, giving them what they need and being, being a people pleaser and please, you know, being there for people. And I think that mm-hmm. that was the through line of the movie. And I, you know, that was, that was interesting to me. And that's what I took away from the, from the documentary. So, I mean, it's yeah, a, and me it's too. a great watch. It's really just a really wonderful to watch. And it kind of makes you uh, like, to take a stock of your life and how you treat people and you know what 100%. you want what you want out of your life and friends and stuff so i just mm-hmm. you know it was it was a good it's a good watch i highly recommend it's a it. really good watch yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah but so, yeah i'm so glad we were able to interview him it was it was yes, uh i mean agreed. i knew i knew it was special going in but you know it was it, like i said i don't think we were the same people when we left I, yes <laughs> agreed very much so, um, without further ado, here is um, an, uh, the the um, Jesus the interview. <laughs> Once more with feeling. I know. <laughs> without further ado, here is here is the interview. Um, just as a side note, again, remember that this is um, it's an edited version because we mm-hmm. had to do some um, some fast thinking because of you know Scotty being older and um, Mark jumping in. And again, a huge thanks to Mark for jumping in and helping. Yes, facilitate thank you. This. So it's going to be a little bit of a different style interview. So just um, yeah. I hope you enjoy it and um, yeah, keep in touch over on social media with us as all the usual places, old Hollywood mm-hmm. realness on Facebook and Instagram. OHR podcast darlings is a group on Facebook we have. So go ahead and um, join that would be fantastic. And then um, uh, OHR podcast on Twitter. If you want to keep up with us and then give us five stars over on iTunes. It helps. Thank you. <laughs> Thank all you right. so much. And we'll talk to you soon, everybody. 
Hello, everybody. Hi. Welcome to Old Hollywood Realness. Uh, this is a podcast dedicated to the glitz and glamour of Tinseltown's golden era. That's right. And all the people who make it possible. Um, I'm Philip Estrada. I'm Kathleen Knoll. And we are coming to you still on location from Hollywood. <laughs> it's very exciting. Um, and we have got... Um, We've got a guest for you today. That's right. <laughs> it's very, very exciting. We're so excited. I don't know if you've heard of him, but we have um, the legendary Mr. Scotty Bowers joining us. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, in case anybody is not familiar with um, Mr. Bowers, uh, so Mr. Bowers wrote a book called Full Service, um, which came out a few years ago. And then also in 2017, the documentary Scotty and the Secret um, with History of Hollywood also came out, which... Um, Basically detailed his entire career in Hollywood of uh, basically helping stars to find uh, recreation, I guess is one way of putting yeah, it. That's a good way of putting yeah. <laughs> so if you wouldn't mind just telling us like kind of a brief history on like you and how you got started in that. Like what's your, what, um, yeah, I know that you ended up in Hollywood after World War II, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and actually I would love to point out, um, how old are you now? 96 96 years old that's amazing it's and you uh so you arrived in so take me through like when you arrived in hollywood and like a little bit on on that just just after hollywood Uh i mean after world war ii Mm -hmm. yeah which was naturally 1942 three four you know yeah the war the war world war ii was 1942 43 44 and a little bit of 45. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That was World War II. Yeah, that's amazing. So, and then you um, you ended up in Hollywood and you started working at the gas station, right? And right. all of that. And then you ended up, uh, you ended up meeting um, some various stars and um, hooking them up with, you know, other people to have fun with and sex mm-hmm. and stuff. And it was, it's really awesome. What I would love to know is, is like, what was your experience um, with these celebrities? Was there ever like, were you ever li- really like in awe of these people? Like what, or what was your relationship to these people? Uh, they, w- they were actually like real people are. Oh, nice. When you see them or are with them individually or alone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and then were you, but were you ever a fan of like the movies or Hollywood or? No, no not really. No, mm-hmm. just wasn't something you were interested I in. I was very busy with them, <laughs> but you know. <laughs> yeah. And so they just didn't, it wasn't like you were working, you, I mean, for us, we really have like this kind of like reverence for old Hollywood and like the stars and stuff. And we've been had lucky to actually interview a few kind of like, so, um, costume designers and stuff who are, um, you know, who have had worked with these stars and it's just, for us, it just blows our minds to be even new close to those yeah. people. Mm-hmm. And, and your experience was just not really, you weren't really bothered by it or excited about it at all. You just <laughs> saw them. <laughs> No, a lot of the people that you got to know, they got to know you, and uh, pretty soon you had a whole thing going, you know, just from that alone. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's and were for some of these, did you have, were you um, able to help people for years, or was it just like one-time things? No, no, no. Repeat uh, customers, I guess you could the, say. <laughs> the same people, and other people, of course, for years. For uh, I was helping people for an easy easily 30 year period oh wow Wow. that's amazing incredible that is really incredible i mean just watching the watching the documentary i was 
I was watching the documentary pretty much with my jaw on the floor the first time I watched it. <laughs> just the it's stories you you shocking. told and the, the just the connections you had were were amazing and just like just some of the stories it's like it's almost bigger than life but you know, I know. They, too but, much to believe but at the same time it's not because the the stories are there and the pictures are there. <laughs> yeah, because even very often when somebody would what have you what have you done this week? Mm-hmm. I come up with more stuff in one week than some people come up in two months <laughs> and they just don't believe it that I've done that much in one week. Yeah. I believe it. <laughs> I mean, you're a very, very busy man, it seems. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when um, it was I, one part that I, we are very interested in costume design and the costume designers, the people who make the films as opposed to the, the stars generally, because that's while that's exciting to us, it's not necessarily the most biggest focus for us because we love the glamour of it all. Yeah. And I know that you, in your documentary, you talked about how you were uh, friends with, I use friends in air quotes, with, um, <laughs> with uh, Cary Grant and how he was um, previously before his relationship with Randall Scott, he was um, basically hooking up with Ori Kelly. Right. And did you ever have any in interaction with Ori Kelly or, or if to that matter, any other costume designer? Um, um, no, Ori uh, was uh, basically a mad queen, you know, Ori. Was, uh, no, I feel you. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and uh, that's why the people that were with him broke away from him to not even have him as a friend. Oh, really? Oh, really? They wow. came, once they got to Hollywood here and, because they came from Australia originally, right? Went to New York, mm-hmm. came here, and uh, they thought they were going to go boom. And they were going to use already is their uh, get ahead man, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Because Ori was very much with it, very pushy and aggressive, and uh, they thought they were going to do that, which they, they weren't able to do. Right. So that's that's interesting. It's kind of interesting to think about that time when you had to kind of even just being associated with a known homosexual is almost enough to like start casting doubt on you and that sort of stuff. So it's it's kind of sad to think about in that time. (laughs) Yeah. But did you ever meet Ori Kelly or ever have any interaction with him at all? Did ever meet Ori Kelly? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I knew Ori well. Oh, yeah. Because as I said, Ori went from Australia to New York Mm -hmm. and from New York here. Yeah, and I knew about him in New York, of course. Right, and he knew about me, and when he moved here, boom, everything he wanted to come from me, you know. Oh, so you did have, so you hooked him up, you helped yeah. him out with people as well. Yeah. Do you have any stories of note that you'd like to share? Or? No. No, just I just fixed story up with a lot of different people. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> very helpful. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, so and then there's also another story in the documentary that I thought was kind of interesting as well was the the interaction you had with Cecil Beaton did yeah. you were you directly um did you work or did work directly with um Cecil with, Beaton with Cecil Beaton mm-hmm. yeah yeah Cecil Beaton I knew very well oh really was very he, well was he was he here during because I know I had read his book and on the My Fair Lady book and he was only it seems as though he was only in LA working on My Fair Lady was that during the same time uh yeah oh yeah um, and then was there any sort of like just the interaction on that? Was there anything that, cause he seemed like a strange, like an interesting character. <laughs> mm. Uh, there was always something going on, even if people didn't notice it, you know? Right. And then, um, so then you helped, um, so from that you ended up meeting, um, Wallace and Edward Simpson, right? 
Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Or I guess well, Edward and Mollison's. And that was, that's such an, in, uh, so just trying to figure out is there was, that seems like such a strange like in, interaction to have mm -hmm. with these people. Like what was the, what was the impetus of meeting, um, meeting Cecil Beaton? Like uh, how did you end up meeting him? Was it just through people and? Uh, just that came automatically along the way. Mm -hmm. I didn't run around looking for him. Right. He basically looked for me, and that's how we met. So. Oh wow! I, I love that idea of just people like through the grapevine, just like knowing about you and being yeah. how infamous you were and how connected you were. Just. Yeah, that's that. right. I was very well connected. So, anyone that wanted to meet me through them, they'd say they were friends, and all of a sudden I'd meet them the next day. Oh wow! <laughs> that's amazing. Um, so then, was there any other people in the costume department or the art department that you that you met or knew about? Yes, hi, this is, uh, this is Mark, uh, Mark Willems, and I am a friend of Scotty's. Uh, I also, my connection with old Hollywood is that I, about 20 years ago or more than that now, I met a woman and uh, Sally Cobb and her husband Bob had, Bob Cobb had, uh, was at the Brown Derby from the beginning, and that's the Cobb salad and all of that. So uh, Scotty knew Sally as well, he used to attend bar at her um, her apartment she lived in Century yeah. City and so that's my connection with old Hollywood and and at that time there were still a lot of people alive um, Frank Sinatra was alive oh, I took wow. the first book to Bob Hope uh, Jane Wyman did the foreword and so but anyway Scotty and I know a lot of people and I've known Scotty for a long time and he's uh, he has had a fascinating life as we know mm -hmm. and uh, but I thought, you know, I could just maybe help a little with um, yes, thank you. some of his stories. <laughs> but, Scotty, did you know Walter Plunkett? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes, I knew Walter Plunkett, definitely, absolutely, a long time ago. Yeah, and, uh, and Walter, uh, and, and did you know his friend as well? Who was his friend? I don't know his name, but his, his lover was a, a, the best friend of... of Noel Taylor, who was a costume designer, and Noel did um, mainly Broadway, but he also did television and some film. Mm -hmm. And uh, I knew Noel very, very well. Noel started, uh, he knew Walter in the 1930s. Yeah. When all of the guys, Walter and Travis Banton and Adrian and all of that set, uh, you know, would get together. Oh, and, yeah. and, but sort of underground because they mm -hmm. had to. And oh, Noel, sure. Noel told a story when they were doing, when um, Adrian was doing Ziegfeld Girl, he borrowed those dresses from that, the big number. Mm -hmm. And so the guys all picked what they could fit, squeeze into. Oh <laughs> they had a party. <laughs> 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 that would be, I would say, yeah. <laughs> Did you know Howard Greer, Scotty? Yeah. What do you remember about Howard? I don't remember nice things about Howard. You know, sometimes people remember and they're pissed off about everything. Yeah. But Howard Greer was very nice. And, and well, you were telling me also about Adrian recently, when Adrian lived with Janet Gaynor. Yeah. On Melrose Place there. Yeah. Adrian, Adrian with Janet Gaynor. On Melrose Place. And they were upstairs. Yeah. In that beautiful apartment or house up there. Yeah. Yeah. And you did the um, you did the the concrete work there. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. <laughs> that's a, what a connection. What a connection, yeah. 
what it but, could. But did um, can you tell me something about Adrian? What do you what do you remember about Adrian, Scotty? I remember Adrian well, but I don't remember anything special about him. Okay. Well, <laughs> all right. Tell them my favorite story. Well, not my favorite story, but tell <laughs> them about with with um, your experiences with Cary Grant and Randolph Scott. Yeah. And Randolph Scott, because we've all heard about Cary Grant. But, right. But, but you have a, a special fondness for Randy. Um, they were together, uh, you know, Randolph Scott and them, they were together for about 30 years. Yeah. And uh, I, I knew him that whole time. And, uh, I mean, really, really together, not uh, pretend to be together. You know, they were... And he was always, always nice, to, as far as I'm concerned, always. And and you met them, you said when um, when you were in. Um, you were still in the service. Yeah, yeah. And 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 you said that Randy would drive you back. Yeah, all the way from to San Diego. Oh, wow. From Los Angeles. From. Uh, and this was during the war. From Santa Monica when they were at the house out there. At the beach. Yeah, mm -hmm. that beach house. Because the house was right on the beach. Yeah. I think it had been um, Norma Shearer and um, her husband, I think oh, it was Irving Thalberg? I think so. Oh, wow, that's amazing. Uh, and, and you said that there were no, there were no cars. And, and it was blacked out because right. during the... Um, it was it was down the, the coast highway and during yeah. the war it was a blackout so it was a blackout most of the way down there yeah but he would drive you home yeah back to the base back to San Diego which is pretty nice baby yeah that's a nice that's a nice guy that's a good person yeah. a good person driver because he would get only three gallons of gas a week <laughs> oh, right from rationing oh right that's right people didn't go anyplace they didn't get any gas. Yeah, they couldn't. And, um, but you know, Scotty, to me, it's so interesting that even though, and we think of World War II as now, you know, as a yeah. hundred years ago. Well, it's almost it's gone. It's yeah. gone. But that even during that time, and and we've all seen a lot of World War II documentaries and and yeah. movies and everything else. But that, you know, your perspective on that is that everything that was still going on during that time. All of all of the things that were going on underground, or that mm -hmm. human nature, human behavior, was all still the same. Oh yes, and that people figured out a way to, you know, get their sexual needs met. Huh. And even though it was supposedly completely taboo, um, it still happened. Oh yes, yeah, no matter had ta how taboo it was, it happened just like nothing happened. It was just like nothing kept it from happening. Right, nothing could. Yeah, yeah. How did it happen on the bases? Do you think? I mean, how did how did sex go on on the bases? Just people uh, cleverly getting together. <laughs> That's how that got it all the time. Yeah. Cleverly getting together. Remember. Right, and one way or another, yeah, they figure it out. They went, went, went running up and down the comp company street, making a scene. They did it quietly, and things were happening, and people didn't realize how much was really happening. You know? Yeah. But it had to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that people think that when they're young, 
and they're sexual, that it's the first time this has ever happened in history, you know, that, it, I, I know. that, that, so the, true. that the older <laughs> generations weren't doing it. Yeah, somehow. Didn't, or didn't know anything about it. Or you can't imagine, really, <laughs> when you think of your grandparents. <laughs> no, you can't. Um, yeah, as I said, that those years and those people and what they did and how they did it, cleverly did, did this and that, yeah. Where a lot of other people didn't know about it at all. Well, and and the you know the proof of that is your gas station, yeah, where it was all happening for years. One hundred percent there, under the nose of everybody. Yeah, right there, out in the open, on the corner. Completely under the nose of everybody, and uh, all those people there every night, and no one quite picked up on what was happening. Yeah, because people think what they want to think or see what yeah. they want to see. Oh, yeah. Were, yeah. They, were people naive to it? Or do you think people were naive to what was going on? Or do you think it was actually, or do you think they just turned a blind eye to it? Well, no, a lot of those people were very uh, proper and square about life and things. Mm -hmm. And they didn't fall right in line for it. Where other people did, were immediately in line. <laughs> yeah, right. in front of the lines. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I, I really liked in the documentary was that they interviewed more of your friends who could also attest to um, being hooked up through you. Yeah. <laughs> and I, they had such warm and um, fond memories of their time and, um, and their own memories with you and these other people. And it was really great to see um, how positive and um, how, po how positive their reminiscing was about that time. Yeah. And um, it, was, it was really heartwarming to see. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Scotty, um, I know one of the people who came out after the book, not didn't come out, but, but um, publicly um, corroborated what you said in the book yeah. was Raymond Burr's uh, lover. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's and, right. Bob Benavides. And is Bob still alive? Yeah. Do you speak with him? or He's up north at, the, at their place up in... Uh, you know where they had the winery and everything? Oh, Napa or something. Yeah, he's up uh, there. In the wine country. Yeah. He's up there, and he made a lot of... Don't forget, Ray, Ray left him, uh, oh, Jesus, several million dollars Yeah. in the houses, and left him the different houses. How did that happen? How did they, how did they meet, or how did you hook them up? Uh, I just took him over at... Uh, La Brea and uh, Hollywood Boulevard when La Brea was staying when L Ray was staying over there, because Ray was always in town when he was doing a picture. You know, never would he go back home. He'd stay in town. Then you stay all night with him, thinking you're you're going to get up at four in the morning. Sure, you get up at four in the morning. The fucking di dialogue your director's there, boom, with the lights on, and and you got he got you up at four in the morning. <laughs> I, I say Ray, and, and for two hours of of. You know, you get two hours of ready training mm -hmm. uh -huh. and from the dialogue. But he'd come in there at 4 every goddamn morning. I said, Ray, I can't stay. Would you? We go to bed at 3.30 and at 4 o'clock that somebody says, wait, up. Yeah, that's not, that's not your time schedule. No. <laughs> and so how did, how did he meet, uh, how did you introduce him to Bob? Hmm? How did you introduce Ray to Bob? Uh, well, the way I didn't do that, I introduced Ray to a lot of people. Sometimes oh, I see. two, three people a night stay with Ray. Uh huh. So I introduced him a lot of people. So that's how I introduced him to him. And that just sort of stuck. That yeah. one stuck. Right. 
That's well, that's the, the way it works. Yeah. That's the way it works. <laughs> uh huh. Exactly. Yeah. That's life. That, that's right. You're you're right, baby. <laughs> yeah. Well, but Scotty, you um, from you know people that I talk to, you, you, one of your strengths was that you had a sense of the types of people that would connect, yes. or what people wanted, and who would work with who, and what they. You were able to to listen to people as to what they wanted and what they were looking for that's and then hook them up. No, you're, that's why a lot of people I put together are still together. Yeah. And, and because I did always fix people up that had things in common and not a fast trick either. No, but you never found anyone for me. <laughs> <laughs> I better get on the ball. Not yet. Yeah. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> There's not much time left, yeah. Scotty. I better get on the ball there, baby. <laughs> no. Well, maybe if I'd met you earlier when I was younger, you would have been able to do it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I would. you're right. I'd have been able to do it at any given time. Um, well, actually, I wanted to ask, um, conversely, with people corroborating the stories, has there been anybody, has there been any negative backlash from the families or the people who are associated with the stories at all? Or? Not, not really. No? Okay. Parts of the families that I've met are with the thing, oh, okay. with and for it. Oh, okay. And that's glad you did it, you know, that type of thing. That's great. That's really good yeah. to hear, actually. No one pissed off at all. Yeah, that's. I was just watching the documentary and just thinking, I was like, wow, this, I mean, if someone really wanted to be litigious about it, they could, yeah. but it's good to see that people are kind of a little bit sympathetic to their family, to their family and their family yeah, history. Yeah, which is nice, the nice. Time. That's the way they are, and that's yeah. the way things are. That's great, that's wonderful. I love the I love the the idea that you've been able to hook people up and they had lasting relationships after after things calmed down. I guess. Yeah. Well, you people. Know. Many years later, I've had hooked them up with some of their immediate family, and they would say to me, many years later, "Thanks, that took care of many things during the time." Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, paying extra bills and things like that. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So that always helped. Well, it's always twenty dollars you didn't have before. Yeah, right. Yeah, and they they can add up, you know. Yeah, that's right. They can add up because you get one here, one there, one there. Well, if you work a lot. <laughs> yeah, if you. I used to take um, twenty dollar bills I got and I'd stash them way under the house. And one day I'm down there getting the, the money out to buy the house. And at, at that time, that particular house was. Twenty-two thousand dollars. That is. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that alone is. I, I went down before the judge with twenty-two thousand, and it probate and counted it out twenty, twenty-four. Just, just said, why the hell? You, why didn't you bring hundred-dollar bills? I said, because I don't trust hundred-dollar bills. Th these are better twenties, you know. <laughs> so we counted the twenty-two thousand out. I kept that house on St. Andrews till two months ago. Oh, wow. And I sold it for one million. Oh. Congratulations. <laughs> the, re the reason being, the house was there, and all of a sudden street people are beginning to break into the house oh. and staying in the house. Oh, wow. And once that happens, you your house can be burned down and yeah. everything. Right. And I, a, f a friend of mine, he sold it 
he put three people that wanted a million dollars and he sold it to one and two weeks later had a million bucks. Wow. Congratulations. In $20 bills. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did you ask for it? I would imagine yeah. it. You'd be like, nope, $20, baby. But they, they fixed up the house and they have it for sale for a million and a half now. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's Naturally, it would go to somebody who would flip it. Like, that just but it was a very nice house, mm-hmm. only I had to get rid of it quickly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then a friend of mine died and left me two houses up in Lower Canyon. Mm-hmm. So I moved up there. Which and that's is, where he's living now. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. wow. <laughs> Beautiful house. And f- incredible view over the whole city. Over the whole city, yeah. Is yeah. it the same one that's in the documentary? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's but the it, they ha- it has been completely... Uh, all the good stuff has been removed, all of the beautiful th- things and his collections, and it was stripped down, wasn't it? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it doesn't look like that anymore. It's been, <laughs> it's been streamlined. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah that's, that's good. Glad you're still in the same location. Uh-huh. Awesome. It's wonderful. Yeah, the location up in Lower Canyon is very nice. Yeah. Very yeah. private. <clears throat> Only two or three cars a day might go by the house. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. 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 Driving through Laurel Canyon is really yeah. beautiful. It really is. I used to drive it when I would have to go over to the, um, the valley. to the valley to go to like Warner Brothers or whatever the studio. Oh, yeah. They'd always have me. I wa- worked on one movie and they had me driving back and forth over that hill just to go to Neiman Marcus, and I was just like, "Oh my God, can you please?" <laughs> like it's a beautiful drive, but can I not drive over there for the third time today? <laughs> no, it is nice, and the people who live that there at Lower Canyon are very nice. You know, everyone on the street and everyone that in the media area live, and they know you and yeah. I know it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. It's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Scotty, um, what? You were talking about the house that you just sold, and in that yeah. same in that same neighborhood, your your friend uh, Gore Vidal, you both lived there for about yeah, well, yeah, Gore, fifty years. Yeah, Gore lived up on in up, up above the thing on the, the hell of the name of the street. Uh, he was on Outpost, wasn't he? Or up uh, 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 this or side off. of Outpost. Yeah, the street. It's this side of Outpost. Yeah. Okay, I can't remember, but I, I can't remember it for the moment either. Oh, and Scotty, tell talk about um, Gore and his friend, and um, was it was it Harold Howard or what was his friend? Howard. Name? Howard. Howard was, and they were friends, but they still went their own way, if you know what I mean. Right. Right. And they lived half the year in in Italy. In they Rebello. had a big big yeah. house there. They lived there, and. Uh, they fooled around all the time, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> well, I think Gore, you know, famously said one time that when somebody asked him the secret to their relationship lasting for forty years, and Gore said, "Well, we never had sex." <laughs> <laughs> what he what he meant was he he didn't get upset over what Howard would do or have done or who he'd bring home. Mm-hmm. So that's the same yeah. answer. Yeah. And which is a very modern, um, and but I also think you know we're still locked in that idea that monogamy is somehow the only solution. Yeah. And when I hear you know in the news all the time, it's who cheated on who, and I think what what does cheated mean? <laughs> yeah, who cheated? Who cheated on who? Yeah, I always love that. That's always such an interesting story too, right? Because right? um, my um, my best friend is obsessed with like um, 
blind items and all of that and just hearing all that and he's like so and so has an open marriage and i'm just like don't they all have open marriage it's like well it's like if you're in a like i feel like the celebrities nowadays it's like a business transaction it feels very much like the royals when you to join houses together so it makes sense that everybody would just sort of like yeah you know you're gonna need get your needs met somewhere else well, and Scotty, when you um, uh, talked about um, after Howard died, yeah, and that how uh, Gore was so, you know, never got over it, no, and that when you would be there um, after dinner, he would put on uh, the recorded the records that Howard had made. Right? Would you tell right. about talk yeah. about that? Howard had uh, made records, and Gore would put it on like Howard was right there talking to all of us. So sweet, you know, which was very nice of him. Yeah. Gore Vidal and how and, and you said it would end with with Gore just in tears. Yeah, yeah. And we don't think of Gore Vidal as having that no. being no. that kind of a feeling person. No, you don't. Stoic is right. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you don't. Gore was a, a one of a kind person in every way, you know, and uh, Gore Vidal. Gore is the one that got the book. I, I wrote the book. Gore called and said he's having someone to dinner, and it was a a real promoter. You know, mm-hmm. only mm-hmm. the guys that I don't do. I don't know anything. I do everything online, mm-hmm. and therefore you, what you wrote should not be online. It should be out there. Right. So he said, "I'm taking this back to New York with me tomorrow, and doing the same thing Gore did with me." He's going to call a friend, have him read the book overnight, and then come the next day to lunch. And the friend, of course, is a number one promoter there, David Kuhn. Oh, wow. And very well, number one. If you have David for you, you, you just go on and on and on. <laughs> like, uh, I got a, a check from David the other day for $10,000 for books in France, you oh, know. Oh, wow. That's not too shabby. <laughs> well, I remember, Scotty, the, um, you came here, you were attending bar here uh, yeah. one night, and you came in and you said you had just um, signed the deal and got a $50,000 advance for the book. Oh, yeah. That's and, yeah, that, that was a number of years ago. Yeah. And that was, that was, that that was what it started. And You're right. But Gore was right on the ball in yeah. promoting everything. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, and he didn't mind that he was in. Was he in the book? Uh, oh yeah, he's in the and book. And he didn't mind at all. Oh no. Oh wow, that's wonderful. <laughs> it's good to have connected friends. <laughs> yeah. That's well, right. his Gore's last public appearance, he came back from New York for the uh, the opening party at the Chateau Marmont. Yeah. And that was Gore's last. Um, that was the last time he mm-hmm. came. We had a, a party at Chateau Marmont for the opening of the book, mm-hmm. and it was actually one day late, or one day early, and I said the party's not until tomorrow. Which they came the next day, of course, mm-hmm. and we had the party at the at the Chateau Marmont, and that's when they gave books away. Remember, mm-hmm. they had stacks of books mm-hmm. all over. I mean, stacks of ten or twelve or fifteen bo- bo- all over the place. A lot of people grabbed eight and nine books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were walking out. With, uh, yeah. Well, I remember yeah. when, um, and then a few years later, you had your ninetieth birthday there. Yeah, that's and right. And I drove. Um, Carol uh, Cook and her husband Tom and we uh, picked him up and we came up well we came up went around and came up sunsets in the way I normally do there was a line the the line for valet was backed up down that little street onto sunset right 
And I've never, ever seen a line of cars, you know, yeah. trying to get into the Chateau Marmont that, that but the, for that, your 90th. They yeah. ever said that was the, the biggest uh, or crowd they've ever had, if you yeah. know what I mean. Yeah. People couldn't get in. No, they couldn't. No, that was. They, yeah. they couldn't That's get parked. Yeah. They couldn't get parked. They didn't know where to go. And all of a sudden, it said 300 people show up all at once. Where are they going to park their cars? Yeah. <laughs> It was a, um, but it all worked out. Yeah, oh, yeah. That, that funny worked. little elevator getting up there. But, and then last year you had your 95th there. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think you'll do for 100, Scotty? Uh, yeah, but they'll probably have the same type of parties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. Wait, yeah. So, as I said, we, we have been at the Chateau Marmont, have stayed there, have uh, had everything, little, little happening group happening in that and they did the, the 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 things for months went on where they interviewed you in the bar there the little bar yeah. well scotty and you were telling me about um years ago who used to live there people that used to live there. yeah uh what you call lived there with his wife uh, I, I think you said paul newman paul newman and his mm-hmm. wife lived there they lived there for about two years before they bought a nice house up off a of Coldwater Canyon. Now, do you have any stories you want to tell us about Paul? Paul was, uh, you, you know, it, a lot of people don't know, but when Paul lived in New York with his wife and two kids, he met her, left the wife and two kids, and just dropped them and the, with nothing, not, not to pay the rent or anything. Really? A lot of people never knew that. I never knew he had a first wife. He had a wife and two little kids, oh, wow. two little baby kids. And that was this kid that, the, the kid that died of an overdose, and they were talking about being Paul Newman's son. It wasn't Paul Newman's son. It was the son, one of the sons he had with the two little kids. Oh, with the first wife. Yeah. Oh, wow. But for the way he dropped away. He, didn't, he walked out with his clothes, boom, like that. And that wasn't very nice to him. No, it doesn't sound very nice. He walked out and just left her there in New York in a goddamn little room. Wow. Hmm. And then he, he lived at Chateau Marmont for a couple of years. And, and was the Chateau Marmont part of your life at that time? Always, it always had been part of my life. I always had a tricks there. Always had people there. I had uh, several people who had lived there for, you know, 12, 13, 14 years. People that you saw, you mean, personally. Yeah. Wally, Wally Sewell, the one you mentioned. Wally, oh, yeah, I knew Wally. Wally lived there for that many, Wally lived there for years. When I knew him, he lived up on Thrasher. Right. Wally was a Hollywood photographer. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. But he, he lived in there for years, too. Came in, he came and went sometimes. He'd go out in a private place, but come back to it. Hmm. Yeah, he was there for many years. And did you did you trick with Wally? Oh yeah, oh yeah. That couldn't have been very interesting. How the hell would you think I? (laughs) How the hell you think I know him otherwise? Well, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Well, that's right. When you say you know somebody, you know him. Yeah. Yeah. Is um, Tony Charmley? How's he doing? Tony's doing quite well. You know, Tony's like. uh, 97 now yeah now in the movie that was um that was quite incredible i thought that footage of the um well the drag 
party, and then the sex. I love the drag parties. And then and then the film of the. Um, the 16 it must have been 16 millimeter or 8 yeah, millimeter yeah. or whatever it was right 8 I guess yeah and, and I, I, there's probably something on the cutting room floor from that <laughs> oh it had to be yeah it had to be <clears throat> but that was a great clip I thought and I thought that was really wonderful that that um, existed you know and Tony that must have been belonged to Tony he oh, must yeah. have come up with that oh he did yeah and, and to, but he lives right up the street here, right up Sunset Plaza. Yeah, right on Sunset Plaza. Plaza Drive, yeah. About a block up on the left. Yeah. Well, actually, you came by here. Um, one day I came home from work, and you and Matt and the film crew were out on the, the, the little street there and uh, because you had been up at Tony's. Yeah. And uh, Matt said he had asked asked you if you knew anybody else who lived in the neighborhood, and you said, well, we could stop by Mark's house. <laughs> <laughs> as long as we're here. Yeah. And that's how, yeah. But but um. But anyway. Yeah. Well, son, Tony and them lived here for Tony and Will lived here for a while too. They lived here for a couple of years. On this street? No, in the Chateau Marmont. Oh, at the Chateau Marmont. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, interesting. And a lot of people who were actors and actresses mm -hmm. had lived there at one time or another. Meaning, mm -hmm. while the house was being done, while they were looking for a house, but a lot of them, always there was. Half the people at Chateau Marmont were actors and actresses. Yeah, it must have been really, it must have had a different feeling then than it has it now. It did because everyone went to, uh, across the street to the, there was a bar directly across the street. It wasn't the Trocadero, was it? No. 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 The, tr the Trocadero was back, back east of there. Okay. But this was always a room or a thing that was connected to it. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, I mean, the, the one I'm talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to think of what, what, the, hell, what the hell was the name of it. And people went there. Yeah. Um, well, it, it was, it, people did not go to Chateau Marmont. You could be in a Chateau Marmont for two hours waiting for someone to see no one. Ah. Uh. And they did, did, had a little garden outside, which, was, which was a garden. Now it's where they eat. And they changed the whole thing. There was no one there at the Chateau Marmont at all. Now, was there a bar there? Um, not really. Oh, so that's all newer. Yeah. Ah. Not really. And it, it, in other words, if if you were there and you wanted a drink, they'd bring you a drink. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, but but it was more of a residential r hotel then. Right. No scene. But but no, residential, but not many people at all. Uh, what the hell was the name of the place across the street? Uh, now, it wasn't the Garden of Allah. Yeah. The Garden of Allah. Oh, so it was... Oh. That's where you're going. The Garden of Allah was directly across the street from the Chateau Marmont. Well, sure, yeah. And they tore the Garden of Allah down when they put that bank in there. Yeah. Oh, wow. And now they're going to tear the bank down. They're going to tear... Oh, yeah. Gonna, <laughs> and, and, and there's been five different banks there. Yeah. And they're going to tear it down. So but tell us about the Garden of Allah, Scott. The Garden of Allah was two stories high... The bar and restaurant were on the right side. The pool was in the middle, and you could rent one. You could rent a room out for a half hour if you wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> oh it was the Garden of Allah the one and the, that was the Garden of Allah Nazimova. Yeah. Yes. Oh wow. The yeah. Garden of Allah always had a lot of show business go-getters there. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was always there, and it was a busy place, and no one went to. As I said, no one went to the what's it call it at all. 
In, in, the Chateau, in, yeah. Yeah, the Chateau Marmont. And yet the Garden of Allah was packed all the time. Oh, and that's where you would go. Yeah. Well, that's where you meet people, sure, too. Sure, sure. Uh, well, that's where um, F. Scott Fitzgerald and uh, what's her name? Hmm? F. Scott Fitzgerald was there for a time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's right. And Sheila Graham. No, hey, do, a lot of Haiti people see that torn down. I mean, the oh, yeah. Bell. Well, that, uh, no, it is. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't think the current shopping center will be such a loss when they when they no, tear it down. No, it, it won't be actually because that property is already there That's and right. available for that. Right. Right. And there's several places on the verge of closing in there now. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. But it, it's great that I, I'm so glad that the chateau has sort of has a new life. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it is. It's it's. Uh, well, it was completely yeah because they have a lot of things happening there now. Now they do. When they didn't, didn't, they went went a long time with nothing happening. Mm -hmm. Scotty, um, let's get back just for a moment back to Randy Scott. Yeah. And uh, and I would like you to to tell tell uh, Philip and Kathleen, but tell mm -hmm. them about what you've always told me about Randy Scott. I've I've always thought number one that Randy and he resemble each other. <laughs> Yeah, he, he did. It's, so it's a good thing this is radio. Yeah, so. the, the way he, the way he talks and the way he comes on and mm -hmm. and he, he resembles him a, a lot. And, you know, a lot of people are very boom, boom, boom. Yeah, he's not that way, and Randolph Scott's not that way. Right. Very cool. Yeah. And Randolph Scott was a good-looking guy, mm -hmm. and one of my best friends at the time, and they lived for a long time right up behind the Chateau Marmont. Right. Um, they had a, a house there. They lived for 10 years in that goddamn house. Yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to get that on record. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh and, it's, and as I say, it's a good thing it's radio. <laughs> Thank you, Scotty. You're welcome. <laughs> anyway, Scotty, I, I just want to thank you for all the, all the, um, all the parties here and uh, all the great <laughs> times we had. And, mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, we were actually wondering, because... I know that the stories of Paul Lind are a little bit like kind of uh, infamous about how big of a drunk he was. Paul Lind, Paul Lind was kind of a mad yeah. one, you know. Yeah, we like as a character himself, we love him because he's just so big and brash. But I was wondering if you could speak a little bit about Paul Lind, and we know that he's a little bit of a tragic. I've figure. seen, I've worked for Paul Lind very often. Mm -hmm. I've worked for Paul, or I'm at the house. Paul turns out the light. I don't know where the big pull, light pull is turns on all the lights everybody out of my goddamn house <laughs> I said Paul you pull us so many times and these are close friends I said you're going to get to a time when no one comes at all Yeah. turn on the guy turn off the lights out the people are kicked out the dinner's ready and Paul did this like three or four times in a row there after he got the house up of, off of Q Drive there. I mean off of uh, he was across from George Cukor. Oh, wow. George at 9166 Cordell, and he was right across from him. Oh, wow. And he just didn't seem to be all that friendly. <laughs> no, he, he, he had his ways. Yeah. He'd be very buddy-buddy, and, and just before dinner, he said, we're going to have no dinner. Oh, wow. Throws a goddamn dinner in the garbage, <laughs> turns out all the lights uh, at the main switch, oh. <laughs> pulls, pulls all the lights, 
and and makes it line for the people to leave who just came for dinner. Oh wow! But he did this like about five times in a row. Oh man! Yeah, <laughs> in a row. And, and Paul was Paul was a little goofy, you know. What do you think, uh, Scotty? What would your take on that be? What, what do you think his problem was? I think he just had that same problem which he always had, even if you were alone with him. He was flying around the room, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so I, th- I think uh, his problems are continually. Oh. Because... But because Paul would, you know, fuck this and fuck that and get rid of them. and. Did you ever fix him up with anyone? Oh, yeah. I fixed him up with numerous different people. And that's why even they told me how he'd come on this way. So he, he I mean, I, so nothing helped. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I just couldn't catch a break. <laughs> yeah, right. Scotty, you just mentioned George Cukor. Yeah. And uh, about a month ago, I had dinner um a designer who currently lives in the house that um, Spencer Tracy and Hepburn uh, lived in, uh, you know, on the, the, what, one of the guest houses there on St. Yeah. Ives. St. Ives, yeah, yeah, that's right. 9191 St. Ives. Because he was at 9166 Cordell. Right, right. And, and that because you make the turn off of Doheny and then mm-hmm. on your, you're on Cordell. Yeah. But when he built his three houses, they're right on Doheny. Or on, yeah, Doheny and St. Yeah, Ives, yeah. Right, right. right. And uh, and beautiful house. I mean, it's beautiful. Oh yeah. yeah, All the houses. All he had the houses. All the houses he had were very. Were beautiful. you ever in that house that that he that Hepburn and Tracy shared? Oh, I was in every one of the houses a lot of times. Sometimes oh. I got the houses every night. Oh, so I was there often. What, how the hell do you think I knew him so well? <laughs> well, I didn't know if he was at that house at that time or how that all worked. Oh yeah, he was at that house at that time. Uh huh. And what do you think Tracy's problem was? Well, Tracy's problem was um, they had a kid, and their kid was born blind. Born blind. Mm-hmm. And she ran uh, that club that, uh, what's the name of what, what the blind, that there, was, there is a yeah. whole blind organization right. here. Mm-hmm. trying to think of the name, but... But the mother was running that, and and you think that, but but the thing was, they were friends, but not that close. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. They were almost like friends that shook hands. The husband and wife, you but, mean? I mean, yeah. Yeah. And he would say, uh, very often when she would be there and leave, uh, well, I'm glad she's gone, and this, you know, what I mean. It wasn't quite, they weren't that, quite that close ever. You didn't see the romantic. No. Uh-huh. I mean, they were there together, but not really. Uh, Scotty, at the uh, Hollywood uh, Costume Designers, and did you know Travis Banton? Who? Travis Banton. No, not, not, not really. I remember that. Yeah. So, um, and we talked about Howard Greer. I oh, um, knew but Howard well. You knew Howard well. And um, what did Howard like? What was his? Um, he liked everything. It was new and strange. <laughs> okay. How how strange and how new? Well, as new as you can get and as strange as you can get. <laughs> <laughs> and did did Adrian? Um, did you fix Adrian up, or was that was he? 
when he was with you know Janet Gaynor, what, yeah, or was that it? Oh yeah, no, I fixed him up a lot. You did, yes. And and what what was Adrian looking for? Do you remember? He was looking for anything new and different, and uh, and uh, if he liked what there was, he'd see it again. If not, he wanted to see something else till he got what he liked. And and did he have a type or? Hmm. Did he have a type? Um, yeah, he had a type, and he would often do by uh, saying to me when we're de- when we're together and I'm with a group. He said, "That's my type right there." Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So he would tell me. And then, then you'd know. Or you're his type, and he would tell me at get-togethers, so I knew. Ah. And uh, and he meant exactly what he said and how he said it, too. Uh-huh. Wow. That's my type. He meant it. But the person was a special type of person. Well, that's interesting. And, of course, that gave you a lot to go on. Oh, Yeah. Did that happen often with people that they would be that they would be able to be specific and describe what they wanted? Um, that's what made my whole thing successful. I knew so many people, and I knew just what they dug and their type. And I would send every time I'd send somebody to you, it'd be your type. And you said, "Jesus, said, you're wonderful. You've got my type down pat." <laughs> uh huh. You know what I mean? And do you think that people generally have a type? I th- I think people generally have a type, and a lot of people have a type never get to their type. Do they know what it is? Or they know what it is. They see people that are their type, and they never. It's just like seeing a car and saying, "Boy, that's a beautiful car. I want to buy that car. I'm going to get what I mean." And you why never, do you, you think never do? You have no intentions of doing it. <laughs> but therefore, a lot of people wanting to see people. Why do you think they don't get to that though? Uh, they have they have in mind to get to it. They think about it, but with the general everyday living, they never quite get to it. They never quite get to it. No. Interesting. Who who does anyone come to mind who got to it regularly? Oh yeah, a lot of people got to it because we worked things so nicely. I knew both parties well, mm-hmm. and uh, I knew what their thing was. Mm-hmm. And and if the other person that was his type in my head. Mm-hmm. I would put them together, and they successfully got together and stayed together, a lot of people. You, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's no one fixed more people up that stayed together 50 and 60 years later mm-hmm. than me. Mm-hmm. That's great. You're like a modern-day like matchmaker, sort of Dolly yeah. Levi character. <laughs> yeah, but I still knew both, both people, so it was right. a case of I would fix them up because of who they were, what they were, what they dug doing mm-hmm. and the other person was right there so it worked out perfect yeah yeah it because uh, a lot of people are put together and there's nothing there to start with exactly. you know yeah all right it's never it's yeah. never gonna work no never gonna work yeah but everybody and people don't seem to learn either no but practically everyone i put together i put them together because they did have a lot in common right and i there's people i put together 50 and 60 years ago who are still together. That's wonderful. So I've done very successful that way. And I don't mean a few. I mean there are several dozen. Wow. I think that's sort of the through line of the documentary was just sort of like bringing people together and giving them something, some sort of uh, some joy or something or something that like connecting and connection of people. And I think that's sort of a 
major through line of your of your documentary and the book too yeah where it's you're right it's not about it's it's about sex but it's not more than just sex it's also no. about a connection it's about everything well, it's about everything um, yeah. and it's about wanting to do something nice for people to make to and let the, people be happy to bring some happiness into that's their right. life that's right and Absolutely. it's a very simple i think it's a very very simple concept hmm. of just wanting people to be happy mm-hmm. and and that is a very difficult thing. That's exactly thing. what it was. And, and so often people say, what do I owe you? You've made me happy. You don't owe me a thing. I want you to be happy. Be happy. Yeah. And what more is there really in life? I mean, Scotty, you, no, you've that, lived 96 years. You know, that's what? right. What more is there? Because no matter where you are or who you are or where you're going or whether you're home alone, the most important thing is people you know and happiness definitely mm-hmm. yeah what what else really is there and yet we get so confused i know and people think it's a bigger house or a bigger car or, yeah oh yeah or yeah. a bigger anything <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Right. and uh, and you were helping women as as well as men oh yeah matching up oh yeah <laughs> that's great and but putting the right people together right. i mean don't forget you can introduce people that have nothing in common whatsoever I do it to people who have something that really are going to like each other. Do you get what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Scotty, when Kathleen just mentioned about women, you told me a story once, and I don't know if, if this is in, I don't know if it's in the book, or in, and I know it's not in the movie, and I don't know if you've told it publicly or not, but I found it a very, one of the most touching um, and emotionally touching things when you talked about the woman that you saw and she was somewhere in the midwest and you saw her always in the dark in that's i never saw her in the light i saw her i probably was for a weekend i was probably there 25 weekends and she'd been in an accident or something and she had a very badly scarred face which you can tell the moment you touch it with your hand you know what I mean, and I and I I would see her. She had a ho- hotel room, and the hotel room had a heavy lining like that drape over there. Mm-hmm. And even though I'd be two days in bed with her, I'd never see her. Oh, okay. Never saw her, and yet we were the closest of buddies. That's <laughs> wow. That's so wonderful. And and she would fly me to Can- Kansas City. At this, um, what the hell was the name of the hotel? But she had a hotel room on the first floor there. Yeah. And it was, that goddamn hotel was only seven minutes from the airport. No, <laughs> no in those days, that yeah. that Kansas City plane was right downtown. Yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't, it was about a connection and giving somebody yeah. something, some joy of that. But I, I thought that was so remarkable that she also at that time yeah. somehow found you and 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 from a yeah. you know women or men hire you know right. sex mm-hmm. all the time but for a woman in Kansas City to hire someone to come to make love to her and and many many times i, I just i find it quite extraordinary that that happened at that time it right. was and, and did and it was so nice and she was so nice and, and as I said... <laughs> and you brought love to her life. Yeah, that's right. To have 
go on and step with someone for a six-month period, and they don't know you, don't know them, and never saw them. And never saw her in the light. No. It's just, it's, it really goes to show like what people will, people really just need that human physical connection, yeah. you know, and it's, it's nice that you were able to bring that to somebody who otherwise and, probably couldn't. And when I would put my hand here, mm-hmm. you could feel the badly scarred face, mm-hmm. and that could have come from a, a automobile crash, a plane crash, a house crash. You never mm-hmm. know where. Yeah. And I never asked her. Right. Never asked. You know, most people ask all kind of questions to her. Right. I never asked her one fucking question ever. Probably refreshing for her not to have to deal with that. <laughs> yeah. Nothing. You don't happen to remember how she got to you, do you? How I got to you? No, her? how she found you or how? Oh, through uh, a mutual friend, naturally, who lived there. Oh, in Kansas City. Oh. Who was a friend of mine that knew her, and he told her about me, and that's how he got to ah. you know. Everyone aces you in a, one way or the other. Right, right. That's an extraordinary story, Scotty, because it's not, you know, and I realize the movie and the book were mainly about Hollywood names, and yeah. um, but there's a whole other book there. Yeah, yeah that's not, you're yeah, right. That's not famous names. And she was great. She was a, a, a real sweetheart, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We we're very thankful for your time. I appreciate it, so you know, and all your stories. It's really wonderful to get to meet you, um, and uh, that's pretty much it, really. I mean, thank you so much. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thank you, Scotty. Thank you. You're welcome, baby. Mm-hmm.